Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back on Monday, the final Monday of college football season. We come to an end tonight. And what a fun season it was, what a great season it was, and what a terrible ending to an otherwise really, really fun college football season. So we got that to talk about. Uh, I'm sad today, and we'll get to that in a second. I'm really sad today, uh, but I'm going to make my pick for the title game Nick Saban and Kirby Smart spoke on NIL, and they warned of the dangers about name, image, and likeness, and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of people in my business talk about how they were right, and they were warning us and all that. I don't buy that explanation at all. I don't buy it at all. In fact, I think they were doing quite the opposite, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. And maybe if we have time, maybe, maybe if we have time, we'll get to the uh, basketball version of the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss beat Mississippi State. And some state fans were freaking out and just just, just done with basketball, off to baseball, fire the coach, all that. I am uh, going to try to tell you guys you know, something good, but I don't think any of you are willing to hear it. So we'll get to that coming up later as well. My name is Michael Borky, and I'm really glad to see you guys on this Monday. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name. Uh, That's all you got to do and subscribe there or find me on Twitter and or Facebook, all of the above. Just search my name. You can find me. Uh, No clever names there. And wherever you get your podcasts as well. This is uploaded in podcast form every single day. So find me there, subscribe there. And, um, and let's get started. Yeah, I, I'm sad today, Doug. Sorry, he said, "Don't remind me." Sorry about that. It's um, it, it's that weird feeling, you know, w- when you realize that your team's season is over. Uh, you don't really know what to do. Like I, I was just kind of sitting in my living room yesterday, just like after Matt Stafford that bum through that interception. Well, I mean, it's our fault, right? for having to rely on Matt Stafford to lead us to the playoffs. I know Uh, it's our fault for that, but having your postseason life depend on Matt Stafford is a painful experience. And then just, you knew when he threw that football, you, you knew what the result was, right? I mean, you knew that ball was getting picked off. I knew that ball was getting picked off. I knew it was, and, and it was, and it just relying on him is terrible. But that feeling when your team's season is over kind of sucks, you know? I mean, I don't know what to do. It, luckily, in NFL fandom, like, you now I can just look at mock drafts, and you've you've got combine stuff coming and all that. Like, that, that keeps you locked in. But, man, yesterday, that's a weird feeling, especially when your team wins. Like, yesterday should have been a good day. Like, we beat the Falcons all good. Should have been, like, a happy day. And instead, I had to sit and watch Matt Stafford blow it. 
I mean, seventeen nothing lead in the first half, and Matt Stafford, that bum, it just it just blew it against the 49ers, which was basically a home game for San Francisco, by the way. They were having to do, like, silent counts and stuff when they were on offense. It's embarrassing. Uh, but that sucks. That really sucks. I'm, I'm honestly really proud of the team, though. I had a couple people get my mentions yesterday. Oh, well, you shouldn't have lost to the Giants. Well, yeah, I mean, shouldn't have had Jameis tear his ACL. Shouldn't have had a hurricane come through. Shouldn't have had COVID issues multiple different times. Shouldn't have had to had. Uh, four different starting quarterbacks, eight different starting offensive tackles, an NFL record for number of players having to play during the course of a season. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to. Well, shouldn't have lost to the, should have lost to the Giants. Well, okay, thank you very much. But considering what the team has dealt with, I feel like you can get, just give them a pass for one loss in a seventeen-game schedule. Anyway, uh, I'm proud of the team, honestly. And they missed the playoffs. That's that's a weird feeling, too. But uh, considering what they dealt with, the fact that they were in this position at all is uh, is pretty awesome. And a hell of a coaching job from Sean Payton. Now go draft a wide receiver, uh, get in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, and let's keep on plugging. But uh, but anyway, who you got in the SEC Invitational tonight? All right, let's get started there. Uh, Alabama is my pick. Alabama is my pick tonight. Uh, I know it's hard to beat the same team twice. I, I do think Georgia is going to put up a better fight than they did a few weeks ago. But I can't tell you the number of uh, people, football analysts, that have implied that Georgia uh, almost threw the SEC championship game. Oh, well, you, you know, Georgia, they, they, they're they going to have a good plan for Alabama this time. In the SEC championship, they were really vanilla. And uh, I, I, I expect them to really really uh, throw everything they've got at Alabama and Bryce Young this time. When you say things like that, you are directly implying that Georgia did not try to win the SEC championship, that Georgia did not do everything they could to make sure that Alabama did not make the playoff. I I mean, that kind of stuff is crazy to me. And oh, by the way, if if your point is, well, I think Georgia's going to adjust. You think Alabama's not going to adjust also? Uh, well, oh, yeah, Georgia's going to have a better game plan this time. Do you think Alabama's not going to self-scout and also scout Georgia and look at what they did against Michigan and, and re-watch their tape and make sure that they are prepared for whatever Georgia's going to adjust to? Like, I, I hear stuff like that, and, and I, I think to myself, what are you talking about? Because you're implying that Nick Saban's Alabama is not also going to adjust. That that they're just going to take the exact same game plan. Hey, Bill, why don't you just print out that uh, that scripted sheet that you had for the SEC championship game, and let's just run all those plays again. Let's just do that exact thing again. No, no adjusting. No, even you don't even need to study film. Let's just do that again. Uh, th- that kind of stuff blows my mind. Oh well, Georgia's going to have a better plan this time. They're going to be ready for what Alabama did last last time. Well, Alabama, they're going to be ready too. I, I, that line of thinking just blows my mind when people in my business say things like that. Just like when people uh, before Daniels had issues going into this, uh, going into the playoff, but people were saying that JT Daniels was Georgia's only shot at winning the national championship. Well, when you say things like that, when you say after the SEC championship, Georgia needs to bench Bennett because JT Daniels is the better option. You are implying 
that Kirby Smart and former NFL offensive coordinator Todd Munkin are actively choosing not to play their best option at the most important position on the field. That's what you're saying when you say things like that. So, anyway, long-winded way to say, uh, I do think Georgia's going to keep it closer this time, I do. Uh, if, if you told me to do like position-by-position position roster breakdown, uh, Georgia has the better overall roster, I think, than Alabama, but Alabama's better at quarterback, and I think they're better at head coach, and that will lead them to another win over Georgia and another national championship. They're my pick tonight. I think Alabama wins, and we can all just go to sleep and not care because that's what a result that is. Anyway, but yeah, Alabama's going to win tonight. Um, better quarterback. Better coaching, better quarterback, I think, will uh, will lead them to another national championship. But I, I just – sorry for the, the rant. I just – I am so mind-blown when people say things like, well, Georgia held back in the SEC championship. They're going to have a better plan this time. What are you what, – you're, you're implying that they didn't try to knock Alabama out of the playoff. And you're implying that they didn't give maximum effort to win the SEC. That's what you're saying when you say things like that. You realize how ridiculous that sounds. It is. And, oh, they'll have a better game plan for Alabama this time. Well, again, Alabama coaches as well. They scout as well. They create game plans as well. They do. Um, anyway, anyway. Chargers should have won. Oh, they should have tied is what should have happened. They should have tied. Instead, they choose to call a timeout, and Derek Carr admitted on the broadcast last night that, yeah, when they called the timeout, we decided to go win. And it looked like the the Raiders were just going to hand the football off and just be done and have a me assured playoff berth. But then the Chargers called timeout. I mean, that, that's what Derek Carr said. Take him at his word. The timeout changed the way they approached it. They were willing. They were willing to tie that game, according to Derek Carr. They were. We're here for your Caleb Williams update. Really coming to visit Oxford this week. I, I, people are saying that. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. Uh, I, I don't know that for sure. Um, as I understand it, though, the the visit to Los Angeles that he made this week um, was like pre-scheduled. That that a lot of people were reading too far into that. That that, that was something that he was going to be doing regardless. Uh, even if he stayed at Oklahoma, he was still going to be at in Los Angeles. That's at least what somebody told me yesterday, uh, and I'll take them at their word for that. But yeah, we'll see uh, if he shows up in Oxford. Because um, as I understand it, they are certainly trying to get him on campus for a visit. Although the dead period stuff muddies that water a little bit with exactly what he can see and what he can do. Uh, while he's there but yeah if if that does come to fruition and he shows up then you're a you're already a player but if he shows up then I'll have a hard time tempering people's optimism about signing him I told you guys at the the end of last week uh, when you see that the various team sites that are reporting that that Ole Miss is a player they're not making that up uh the the recruiting of Caleb Williams, uh, let's just say that Ole Miss is, by the end of last week, Ole Miss was competitive, if that makes sense, if you can, in his recruiting. 
They, they were absolutely 100% in it, going completely all in, like all chips at the table being pushed all in. That they were, they were truly, they are, as of the end of last week, truly actually in it competitively in the recruitment of Caleb Williams. Will that come to fruition? I, do, I don't know, but I know that they were in it. When those people were reporting that, they weren't making it up. They were absolutely, by the, by the end of last week, were in it completely. We're definitely in it. There was mutual interest. There were conversations happening, and they were very competitive with, with what was being pitched. So... If he shows up to town, I, I, again, I don't know if that's happening or not. I know they're trying, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen it anywhere saying that he's actually showing up. Uh, if he does, that will tell you a lot. If he doesn't, I think that will also uh, tell you a lot. We will, uh, we will see. We will see. Georgia played out of their minds for twelve games this year. Alabama played out of their minds for two games this year. What does the math tell you? Um. Well. I, Georgia, a couple of things. Um, Georgia's defense is better, and defense travels, as you know. I also think they were the benefactor of a really easy schedule. The SEC East, honestly, was quite bad this year. Um, you know, Mark Stoops has done a really good job at Kentucky, and, and people crowning Will Levis as like the second coming of, I don't know, the second coming of something, calling him just this great quarterback in Kentucky's offense, all this stuff. Uh, no, he's... You're just so used to seeing bad quarterback play at Kentucky that a guy that's average uh, blows you away. That's all he is. Um, I mean, was that the best team in the East? Tennessee at least was fun to watch, but personnel had no shot at being competitive in the East at all. Uh, Florida fired their coach. I mean, Georgia really caught some breaks uh, with who they played. They got Arkansas in the middle of a, a tough stretch for Arkansas, and they got that at home. Um it was they they were the benefactor of a pretty easy schedule georgia was on top of having the best players on the field in the entire sec including in that alabama game but alabama is better than georgia at quarterback and i think they're coached better um so i think that has a lot to do with it is that they were just the benefactor of a very easy schedule but this alabama team at times this year looked flawed i mean hell they lost to texas a&m uh, it, it's just the inevitable when it comes to that team. They're more explosive offensively. They've got a high-level quarterback. And I think when it comes down to it, they're at the end of the day, they're coached better. They played a more difficult schedule. Uh, they have a better quarterback. That's really the difference. And, and I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. We'll be here in the morning talking about Georgia's win, for all I know. But I, I think it's more of a product of who they are and who they played as opposed to uh, adding things up for tonight, personally. I mean, we saw in the SEC championship game what Alabama can do to Georgia. We, we saw that. Um, I think they can do it again, too. What's my prediction on where Cam Ward ends up, uh, commits later today? Washington State, I think, is where he goes. I, I could be way off on this. Uh, I think that uh, Ole Miss was out of it when they wouldn't assure him the starting spot. I could be wrong, but... For for Ward, as I understand it, he wants to transfer somewhere where he's going to start. And that was not promised at Ole Miss. 
And that kind of ended his recruitment. I could be wrong. Hell, he could commit to Ole Miss today. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's Washington State. But um, as I understand it, that was not part of the – if he were to sign with Ole Miss, he was not going to be the starter. Or he, I mean, he could have won the job, but that was not a guarantee at all. Um, and, I mean, his numbers are great. And, I mean, was running the wing tee in high school, so it's an adjustment for sure. But, man – that that arm angle and and all that I don't know how well that would work in the SEC. It takes them a long time to get the ball out, and it's coming out from like right here. I don't know. Uh, great numbers are great numbers, and they're at the FCS level. But still, great numbers are great numbers. All of the players around him are FCS players as well. So it's not like he's got SEC guys going up against Mercer. He's got Mercer players going up against Mercer. You know what I mean? And so those numbers are real, but I just. That never felt like that never felt like the obvious answer. That felt like more of a project, which is fine. You got to recruit project quarterbacks too. Uh, freshmen are not finished products. Caleb Williams is not a finished product. Caleb Williams performed worse against Baylor than Luke Altmaier did. Uh, but you see the talent just absolutely just jumps off the screen when you watch Caleb Williams play. He's a super talented guy, but he's not a finished product. Uh, Luke Altmaier is not a finished product. Cam Ward's not a, a finished product, but if you watch the three of them, if you just watch them, and I know Altmaier has such limited film, but two of them, to me, are more talented, a lot more talented. They look more polished than one. So I don't think Goldmiss really pursued that to that level as hard as maybe some fans wish they would have or thought that they were. Uh, I, the, the, anyway. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's just not someone that I would be jazzed up about, personally. But anyway, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart were asked this week about name, image, and likeness. And here's a couple of quotes from them. Here's what they said. Saban. Name, image, and likeness is a positive thing for Players, they've got the opportunity to earn money. I don't think it's a bad thing. What is concerning is how that is used to get players to decide where they're going to school. I don't think that was the intention. We need some kind of national legislation to control that. There will be there will be an imbalance as to who dominates college football if it isn't regulated. Kirby Smart added, the separation that is already there is going to grow larger. So that is... And that, of course, made its waves and got everybody talking about how Nick Saban was right. And what what kind of cracked me up was when people were saying, oh, Nick Saban's just warning you. He's just warning you that that it's going to get worse and he's going to be more dominant. That's what he was doing. He wasn't uh, he wasn't saying that uh, for his benefit. He was warning the rest of us before he dominates even more. And I, I'm sorry, I don't buy that explanation. I think Nick Saban and Kirby Smart said this because they see, to some degree, a leveling of a playing field. Because it is especially rich, that quote coming from those people. That quote coming from those people, and the Vikings just fired Mike Zimmer, by the way. Um, When Nick Saban talks about how NIL is being used to get players to decide where they go to school— it's so rich coming from someone like that who has more resources before the NIL era 
to get players to go to school by using financial or otherwise compensation under the table to get them to go to school. Like, forget what Colin Cowherd says. He has no idea what the hell he's talking about. How do you think Georgia was getting all the players they were under Kirby Smart? Hell, and Mark Richt as well, pre-NIL era. What, what, do you, what do some people, when they see those quotes and, oh, see, they're right. They're right. Look at them. They're right. Yeah, they're they're just warning us. How the hell do you think Georgia built the roster that they've got right now? Do you think they just did it because they sold them on REM? Oh, yeah, this is the birthplace of REM. You, you guys know that really good 90s band. Hey, we've got 80 bars in downtown Athens. One of them's called Generals with some very interesting imagery inside of it. That, yeah, just they just love Athens. All these kids from all over the country, all these five stars just really love the uh, the vibe of downtown Athens and not because they were getting paid to go to school there. And that's okay. That's how, that's how recruiting has always worked. So I've, you know, play the game. If you're not playing the game, you're getting left behind. That's why all just the stupidity around here about the NCAA stuff was so funny. The way national people talked about Ole Miss's NCAA stuff while Georgia's signing the best recruiting classes ever, it, it's just so rich to me. These quotes coming from these guys, the fact that they resonated with people the way they did just blows my mind. Nobody has benefited more from players getting paid to go to school pre-NIL than these guys. Oh, well... I don't think that was the intention for NIL to go to kids to sign with schools. We need to legislate it. What do you think all these five stars were getting to go to these places? You still have to recruit them? Absolutely. Nick Saban's program has been so efficient, and he gets all these elite players to buy in to his program. And it's like when you hear them interviewed, it's like they are – they are little mini Nick Sabans. They, they talk the same as him. He's, he's the best college football coach ever. The run that he's made at Alabama is so incredible. Yes, he gets the best players, and that certainly helps, but he gets the best players, and he gets those best players to buy into his system and play within the program and be unselfish. It's remarkable what he's done. But let's not pretend like those best players aren't coming to Alabama because they're getting stuff. And to hear these quotes about, oh, well, NIL is a recruiting inducement. How the hell do you think Alabama was getting these players? How do you think Georgia was getting these players? It's a joke coming from these people. And the fact that, oh, it's just a warning. It will will create imbalance. How, How is college football not the most imbalanced it's been in a long time? I mean, to hear that coming from those people about imbalance in I mean, yes, I hear people when they say, oh, well, the rich is only going to get richer. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the case. But how could Alabama and Georgia possibly sign better classes than the ones that they have signed? How could they possibly get richer? Now, if you want to talk transfer portal with those people, I could hear you out for sure. But UAB, for example, just got an Alabama transfer. UAB doesn't get Alabama player, Alabama quality players, but they do now. So I, I don't buy the portal argument. But when you're talking about, oh, it's going to create an imbalance, how could college football possibly be any more imbalanced than it's been in the Nick Saban era? He's the creator of imbalance in college football. I don't think that that was a warning from those two. 
I don't think it was a warning. I think that they see what's going on and don't like it. Because the previous system allowed for them to get whoever they wanted because of things that were happening behind the scenes. Let's be, let's call it what it was. Georgia's roster that they have today was purchased. And that's okay because that's the game. But it was purchased. That's how Georgia is as good as they are. They didn't sell them on Athens and all that. No, no, they, they bought them because that's the game and that's what you're supposed to do. These two guys, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, are crying foul because they see what Texas A&M is able to do. That's why they're crying foul, because Texas A&M's in the game now. Texas is in the game now. Hell, Kentucky's in the game now. That's what they see. That's what they're crying about. It, it has nothing to do with, oh, they can't. I mean, do you honestly think that Kirby's smart? Kirby's smart. If you know him and listen to him, you think that guy is willing to make it harder for his program to win for the sake of the health of college football and the balance of college football? Give me a break. No, Kirby Smart wants every possible advantage that he's got to win. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about balance in college football. He would love for it to be imbalanced where his program's winning every year. The, the, the fact that people in my business bought that, listened to the two of those guys and thought, yeah, oh, yeah, they're just warning us. Oh, they care about the long-term health of college. No, they don't. Kirby Smart doesn't care about balance. Nick Saban doesn't care about balance. He, If Nick Saban cared about balance, he would advocate for scholarship limits or something like that. No, what they're doing and what they're seeing is the fact that other programs now that haven't been able to recruit the way they have have decided to go all in. Texas A&M is all in, buddy, and they just signed the number one class in college football. Texas is all in. Kentucky is all in. Kentucky's all in, man. All in. And that's what they're afraid of. That's what the, that's what they're talking about. They don't care about balance. Are you kidding me? Balance hurts them. No, they see what's going on elsewhere, and they're afraid that the system's going to stop working in their favor. That's what's going on here. They are, it's not a warning. Oh, thank you so much, Nick Saban, for warning the rest of college football that you're going to dominate it even more than you already have when uh, you've won – double-digit games in multiple national championships every year f since you arrived at Alabama after the first one. Oh, thank you for saving us. Since 2009, you've had your grip on college football, and no program has been better and more dominant than yours in the history of the sport, but you're just warning us that it could get worse when it could not possibly get worse than it currently is. Everybody going into this season knew that Alabama and Georgia were the two best teams in college football because they had the best players in college football. You could not possibly build better rosters than the ones that they've got, but Texas A&M's in the game now. Oh, yeah. And have you seen Texas A&M's defensive line recruiting class? Yeah. Yeah, they're in the game now. That's what they're talking about. That's what's going on here. A&M couldn't play or chose not to play like this until now. That's what they're afraid of. That's what's going on here. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled because you agree that NIL is ruining college football. Don't be fooled. Just because of the message, just because you agree with the message doesn't mean the messenger's intentions are pure. There's your quote of the day.
Just because you agree with the message doesn't mean the intent of the messenger is pure because neither Nick Saban nor Kirby Smart care about balance in college football. Nobody has been more imbalanced than Nick Saban in college football. He didn't care about that at all. He wants regulation because that benefits his program the most. Because in a deregulated college football, Texas A&M is winning. Because they got more money than Alabama. Texas has more money than Alabama. More alums that are richer than that of Alabama. That's what's going on here. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Doug says, if Williams, Caleb Williams transfers, I cannot wait for all the people grumbling during the QB1 drama this spring summer. Thank God Plumlee is no longer in the mix for a certain subset of fans. Man, I I am... I think I talked about this with you guys here. I can't remember if it was on either the podcast, the other podcast I do or the radio show or here when I talked about the, first of all, messages we get to the radio show about Plumley, Good kid, all that. This is not a shot at the kid's character. That's not what I'm doing here. Uh, but some of the fans that would say things like, the only reason why he didn't play much was because Kiffin hates him. Or Kiffin is jealous of him. Or Kiffin did him wrong and all this stuff. Uh, and then a buddy sent me a Facebook group with with hundreds of comments about uh, Ole Miss is going to regret it and Gus Malzahn's going to turn him into a Heisman contender and all that stuff. It, it's crazy the pedestal that fans have put this player on because during garbage time in a blowout, he ran a couple long touchdowns against LSU. Because that offense for the rest of the season sucked. And anyway, I don't feel I don't I don't feel like going down that road again today. But yeah, man, some of of what Ole Miss fans that I saw and have heard from directly have said about the way Kiffin handled that is utterly mind blowing. You have Matt Corral who's about to go in the first round. And you think that Kiffin did his backup wrong? Spare me. Come on. Come on. You're blinded by your love for the kid and not looking at the actual player. And I understand it, you know, local guy, whatever. But when you say things like Kiffin did him wrong, you're implying that Matt Corral shouldn't have been playing for the last two. What are you talking about? Oh, he should have gotten more reps at wide receiver. That means you take Drummond out, who's going to be on an NFL roster next year. What are we talking about here? Anyway, Kiffin to Minnesota. Dude, people have actually mentioned that. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I don't think... I, I don't think that an NFL team is ready to bring him back into the league yet. But people have talked about that. If money shouldn't determine where a player goes to college, they're going to be shocked to learn about scholarships. <laughs> oh, man. I just I find it so funny that, that people just bought what those two said, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, man. Thank you for warning us, guys. They, oh, they're warning us. You could not possibly be more dominant than Nick Saban is. You can still only sign 25 players a year, and you've got to cut 15 from your team every – 15 have to go from your team every year because you can only sign 25 25 times 4 is not 85. So 15 players have to leave your program every year. They have to. They have to go every year on top of your out your graduating class. 
Thank you for warning us. Anyway, Patino to Mississippi State. I would do it. I would. We talked about this on the radio show some. If State has to move on from Ben Howland, if that happens, uh, I would hire Rick Patino. Now, some people, a, a lot of State fans understand where I'm coming from with this. It's, it's, it's a very small group of people I'm talking about with this. And don't get me wrong, Ole Miss fans that do the same thing. The moral posturing that goes on around here, uh, the, the we're better than you, we're classier than you or whatever, um, that, that's, that's all a joke, right? It's a joke. Uh, you, you can't do, some people can't do the moral posturing anymore if you hire a bad guy like Rick Pitino because he's a bad guy. Let's, the scandals extend beyond the NCAA and they show that he's a bad guy. Bad guy. But what he will do is he will win. He will get good players, and he will take those good players, and he will win. I would hire him. What do you care more about? Knowing that your coach, like you'll see him at the church service on Sunday morning, and when you see him at the local diner, he'll say hey and talk to you, and he's a really good guy, and he's got a wife and a couple of kids, and they're all really nice and respectful, and you're not going to win very much. Or would you rather have a guy that's, forgive my language, kind of a piece of shit, but will win you a bunch of games? Which one would you prefer? If you pick the winning, you have to stop the moral posturing stuff. But I would pick the winning because college sports, high-level athletics, is filled with bad people. Sometimes you have good ones. There are good people in coaching. Yes, there are. Absolutely, there are good people in coaching. There are. No doubt. Most of them aren't. Do you want to win or do you want to feel good about having a good guy that goes to your local church on Sunday on your sidelines that doesn't win as much? Give me Rick Pitino. I'd like to win a championship, especially in the NIL era when the NCAAs can't do anything to you if you're paying players because it's legal now. I would hire Rick Pitino. And yeah, Doug Novak. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, Dick Jones here. Yes, Um I think his audition has been a really damn good one. Um, but remember, Cohen did this with the baseball hire. You had, you had an interim coach take you to Omaha. Wasn't enough. So maybe that's going on here as well. But yeah, I, I would, looking at the state of that program, a big, long look at him is justified. Well, he's done a hell of a job. Foes. Anyone really care about competitive balance? Not not Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. They don't. They don't care at all. With all these NFL jobs opening, do you think Mullen gets a job as OC or head coach with an NFL team? Not a head coach. Nope. I don't think he'll be a head coach. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he'd be a head coach uh, in an NFL locker room. I don't think the personalities would mesh very well. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. OC, possibly. Uh, Kiffin to my, the Miami Dolphins. Doesn't he already have a house down there? Well, it doesn't matter if you've got a house there or not. An NFL job is always better than a college job. It could be the Minnesota Vikings. He doesn't have a house there, but that's a better job. The quality of life as an NFL coach, the pressure is greater, uh, but you don't have to call and befriend 16-year-olds all day. You, know? you actually have an offseason where you have time off. I say that while Kiffin's been in the Bahamas or whatever, but you have a real offseason. Um, but I, I don't think the Dolphins would go down that road either. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I just, I don't think the NFL is, 
I could be wrong. I don't think he'd be high on an NFL team's list. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Patino would bring the crowds back, but Cohen needs to first rearrange the hump. Yeah, the the financing of the rearrangement would come easier if you're winning. Ole Miss is one of the most unstable programs in the SEC. Kiffin is looking full-time. Uh, all coaches are. His is just a little bit more public. But LSU just hired Notre Dame's coach. Notre Dame's coach. They're all looking. All of them. They are all looking. His just happens to be a little bit more public than uh, than most. So... I've run a little long today. That's all right, though. I appreciate you guys. I, uh, I'll i be back tomorrow, obviously, recapping the national championship game. Uh, for what it's worth, aside from rivalry optics, and I know that that's a big deal, right? You can't lose to your rival. Ben Howland constantly is losing to Ole Miss, especially in game one uh, of the season. His, what is he, one in six against Ole Miss in the first game of the rivalry? Uh it's a quadrant two loss, which isn't good, but it's definitely not a crater. And you fell like six spots in the net. So you're still in the mid-40s in the net. For the state fans that I saw that were out on this season, that, oh, it's baseball, I'm done with basketball, it's baseball season, which, by the way, it's not for another five weeks, but, oh, it's baseball season, I'm done, this team sucks, whatever. You are still Your metrics are still in position to make the tournament. They don't, they don't even have to do anything crazy. It's a good basketball team. If they just win to their capability for the rest of the season, they're making the tournament. Their metrics are still good. Just because you lose to your rival doesn't mean you should be out on the season. I, I hate that about rivalries. It's Yeah, rivalry optics aren't good. Ben Howland needs to do better against Ole Miss. But when you look at it, it's a quadrant two loss. You were on the road, and you lose a game against a team that shot as well as they could possibly shoot they never will shoot that well again. It was a Steph Curry kind of night, and that just happens in basketball sometimes. That's why you play as many games as you do. You lost to a team that that shot better than they could possibly shoot in their life. Ole Miss will not shoot that well against air for the rest. I mean, they, they don't even shoot that well in practice ever again. So you ran into this buzzsaw on the road. It's a quadrant two loss. Your metrics are still good, and you're out. Stop. Oh, we know how this story ends. No, you don't, because the 2022 version of Mississippi State basketball is still playing. Uh, to be out on this team, I think, is crazy. It's a good team. It's a talented team. Maybe Smith will come back soon. Everything they've got is still in front of them, and they don't have to do anything crazy. You shouldn't be out on this team yet just because you lose to your rival. Um, it's a quadrant two loss. You're fine. You're fine. Um, anyway, so... That's another soapbox for you. That's three today. That's three soapboxes today for you. You're welcome. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Michael Borky on YouTube. Find me there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow recapping the national championship. Alabama is the pick for me. Uh, better quarterback, better coach, close enough rosters. Will Anderson's going to go off. And uh, Nick Saban will continue his reign over college football. But, hey, he's warning us that, uh, you know, college football is going to get imbalanced. So we should probably listen. Anyway, y'all be good. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.